Welcome to the Summit for Wellness podcast, where we help you climb to the peak of your health. And now, here is your host, Brian Carroll. and welcome to episode 58 of the Summit for Wellness podcast. I'm your host, Brian Carroll, and today we are going to be working on fixing your fatigue, and not just the fatigue that you may feel from a lack of sleep for a couple of nights. This is for those who have suffered from chronic fatigue that have a hard time getting out of bed and don't know what the heck is going on with their health. So I brought on Dr. Evan Hirsch, who focuses on chronic fatigue in his practice. Um, And he actually went through a lot of these fatigue issues um, himself, and it took a long time to figure out what the heck was going on. So with his own experiences and with his experiences in his clinical practice, he has written uh, a book all about fixing your fatigue, and he has his four-step process on what to do to start getting your energy back so you can start living the life that you deserve. So let's dive right into my interview with Dr. Evan Hirsch. Dr. Evan Hirsch is the best-selling author of Fix Your Fatigue, The Four-Step Process to Resolving Chronic Fatigue, Achieving Abundant Energy, and Reclaiming Your Life, and one of the nation's leaders on finding the root causes of chronic fatigue and resolving them. He has helped thousands of people resolve their chronic fatigue and is on a mission to help one million more through his Facebook group, videos, online courses, books, consultations, and training other providers. Thank you, Dr. Evan, for coming onto the show. Thanks so much for having me on, Brian. Of course. Before we get uh, too deep into the weeds here about chronic fatigue, can you tell us a little bit about your background and what got you interested in fatigue in the first place? Absolutely. So when I was in college, I, I knew that I wanted to help people. I was good at science. I decided I was going to go to medical school, and I didn't know anything except for the allopathic model, going for an MD. I didn't know any naturopaths or chiropractors or nutritionists growing up in New Jersey where I did. And so I go to medical school, I'm going to residency in family medicine, and I meet my wife um, in Olympia, Washington, where I did my residency a couple months in, and you know, fell in love and just had a, a wonderful time. And then six months later, she was crashed out with fatigue, and here I am, you know, in this learning establishment and nobody can help her. Nobody can help me help her, you know, and there's not a lot of information out there. Functional medicine was just starting to come out. This is 2004, 2005. And I felt completely powerless. You know, here I am in this profession and I can't help the person that I love the most. And it was heartbreaking. And it took her three years to get over it. And then once she got over it, a couple of years later, I got it, and I got chronic fatigue for five years. And through my exploration, through working with thousands of clients and patients, through all of the investigations and the trainings that I did, I was finally able, I kept getting better and better at helping people, finding more and more of the causes and making sure that, and I, what I learned was as long as I was addressing all of the causes, 
that I was able to have success and I was able to give people their lives back and allow them to achieve the best energy of their lives. So that's a, that's a, that's my story. So by working with your wife and working on your own issues, did you figure that the chronic fatigue was coming through the same, um, methods or was it completely different? It wasn't completely different, but definitely different. You know, I tell people that everybody has multiple causes of fatigue and everybody has different causes of fatigue. And for her and some of the stuff that she did in order to resolve her fatigue were more emotionally based. So she had been a meditator for many years, had a wonderful diet, had been gluten-free for 20 years. And she was, you know, she started doing more intense emotional work, which made a huge difference for her. She got into the sauna every day. She was supporting her adrenals and that's it. Um, and it took her about three years and for me, I pretty much had them all. I had mercury from eating tuna fish um, excessively growing up and having mercury fillings. Um, I had mold from living in a moldy environment during medical school. I had um, chemical toxicity from plastics that I had, um, plastic bottles that I had utilized, as well as from when I was in gross anatomy lab in medical school, formaldehyde poisoning, which I didn't know about. And then multiple infections, Epstein-Barr virus and Bartonella. So it was that whole combination. And then I also had thyroid and adrenal issues as a consequence of all of those things. And it was that combination that gave me my fatigue. So I'm sure a lot of people are wondering, what is the difference between chronic fatigue and the fatigue that people feel on a normal daily basis just from the daily grind of busy lifestyles? It's a great question. And so the difference really is relief with rest. So fatigue is not fatigue if you can relieve it with rest. So if you're up late partying or you've had you know, a stressful week and then you go and you sleep for 12 hours a day for five days and you recover and you're good to go, you know, that is not fatigue. But fatigue is when you get appropriate rest and you're still tired. And then the chronic fatigue is, you know, depending on the definition you look at, is generally when it lasts when it lasts for longer than six months. However, I tell people I say if you're not if it's not resolving if your energy is not coming back when you're giving yourself the appropriate amount of rest, then you need to start remediating appropriately so that you can get back on track as soon as possible. And you had mentioned Epstein Barr and Bartonella. Are those the same thing? And what are those exactly? So Epstein Barr is a virus that causes mononucleosis. You know, generally they call it the kissing disease, generally happens around the teenage years. But then it can, you know, even if somebody has never had mono, this virus likes to damage mitochondria, which is the energy center of every cell in our body, provides about 70% of our energy. And so it can damage our energy, cause stress on the body, um, get into our nervous system, and so that's, that's the Epstein-Barr, so it's a virus. The bacteria, and with the Epstein-Barr, I should say, so if somebody has mono, oftentimes it can be reactivated. And usually the infections, most of us have all of these infections that I'm gonna talk about today, but it's only when the immune system gets distracted by the toxicities and the stresses of our lives that all of a sudden these infections come out, become opportunistic, and start causing problems. And those stressors and distractors 
are what I call the usual suspects. So that's heavy metals, chemicals, molds, infections, all those things in addition to mental and emotional stressors. So all of those things are going to take that immune system, they're going to hijack it off into left field and then the bugs will come out and play. So that's been, and so that's Epstein-Barr and then Bartonella is a bacteria that causes a conglomeration of symptoms that people most of the time people don't understand that they have it. Bartonella acutely. So if you get this Oftentimes you can get it from, it's called cat scratch fever initially, where people will get a, a big lump in the form of a lymph node that's gotten enlarged underneath their armpit. They've got a cat scratch, they're gonna get a fever. But that's when they have an acute presentation, when it's like short and strong. But when we're looking at chronic, oftentimes people will get headaches and neck pain, back pain, body pain, like in fibromyalgia, They'll have problems sleeping, falling asleep, staying asleep. They'll get anxiety, depression. But the big symptoms really are pain on the bottom of the feet. So usually misdiagnosed as plantar fasciitis. But there's, they get this pain. Sometimes it's burning. Sometimes it's just pain where they get out of bed in the morning and they're like, you know what? My feet are kind of sensitive. I really need to put on slippers in order to walk around my house. They just want some cushioning. And then they also get cramping in the muscles. So they'll get cramping in the calves typically, and typically at night, though the cramping can happen in any muscle. But it's really that combination of the pain on the bottom of the feet, the cramping of the muscles, and then one of those other things like the neck pain, headaches, um, problems sleeping, anxiety, depression. So it sounds like there can be a lot of different um, uh, causes for chronic fatigue. It could be a virus. It could be a bacteria. You even mentioned adrenals or emotional um, problems as well that could lead to it. So when you're working with someone, what are the steps that you're taking in order to figure out where to start with them? Um, and then what do you do from there? Great question. So in my book, I talk about this four-step process. And the first step is assessing. And that really is the most important step. And that's assessing based off of symptoms, because even the Centers for Disease Control say that a lot of these infections are clinical diagnoses. You're not going to find them on a lab and that it's based off of the clinical picture. So if somebody has those conglomeration of symptoms that I talked about with the Bartonella, that's pathodiagnostic or you can make a diagnosis based off of that clinical picture. So it's determining, it's assessing based off of the symptoms and then based off of the labs. So whenever anybody comes to see me, I always tell them, okay, we need to find out exactly what the causes are because there's 15 different causes and you have multiple causes and we don't want to waste time. We don't want six months down the line, 12 months down the line, say, oh, you know what? Maybe you have mold. Let's do the test now. Let's figure out, do you have heavy metals, chemicals, molds and infections? Let's test your blood, your urine, whatever, and find out what those causes are. So that's that's the first step. So when, uh, when you're working with people, are you running the whole uh, bunch of tests at once or are you uh, trying to pick the tests that are most relevant to some of the symptoms that they're showing? So generally the latter, you know, so I always like it to be um, specific for the individual person. However, there is a lot of crossover. I just got back from a conference a couple, couple months ago where we were talking about how mold can look exactly like Bartonella. 
you know, and how certain neuropathies or problems that you have with the nerves or brain fog could be from mercury, but also could be from Epstein-Barr. So I do run a lot of lab tests initially, you know, I try to, and I always, you know, I'm always using my brain and I'm always trying to limit the number of labs that I'm doing. But what I've learned over the last 10 years is that the sooner that I run these labs, and it's about running the right labs, you know, if I'm running the right labs, then I'm going to get the good data. But the sooner that I run these labs, then I can really tease out what the causes are, and then we can address them appropriately. Otherwise, if I'm, if I'm just trying to do it based off of my clinical suspicion, you know, the, the human body is very complex and it hasn't always read the textbook, you know, which is a funny way of saying that everybody's an individual and they, pre they may present with, with symptoms that look different than anything that I've ever seen before. So my clinical experience is very important, but I know enough to know that I don't know much and that using the right labs are going to get me the data that I want. Yeah, it's interesting that you said um, mold can present as Bartonella because mold can also uh, look like Lyme as well. So it seems like, like you mentioned, a lot of these have a bunch of crossover and you could totally go the wrong direction if you're just guessing instead of testing. Absolutely. So then you said that is step one is to test. So what does step two look like? So step two is detoxification. So before we can start removing the crap out of the body, crap is a medical term, by the way. <laughs> before we start removing the crap out of the body, we have to make sure that the detoxification pathways are open and patent. And so, you know, because heavy metals, chemicals, and molds will all clog up detoxification pathways. So we're talking about opening up liver and kidneys and the lymph, which is really the trash system of the body where it grabs the crap and puts it into the bloodstream and then you're able to get it out. You know, the skin is another way that we detoxify. Stool, breath, you know, these are all the ways that we try to get the stuff out of our bodies that we need to get out. So opening up those pathways and even though I'm a medical doctor, about 95% of everything that I do is natural based. So we're talking about food. We're talking about herbs. I love herbal complexes that are just really smart and work on a number of different layers. So that's, uh, that's the direction that I'll go next to start opening up those pathways um, so that we can have the most success when we start removing the crap and getting more aggressive. Since you are a medical doctor and you're using herbs, do you get uh, patients that look at you and think you're crazy because you are using herbs? Because I know a lot of people don't believe in the power of herbs. Um, not really. I mean, the, the people, I mean, they used to, but, um, you know, the people who come to see me come to me because they know that I can help them and that, you know, this is my niche and I'm the chronic fatigue guy, you know, I wrote the book and, and all that sort of stuff. So there's, there's a lot more trust around that. Um, but yes, I mean, when I talk to my colleagues and, you know, at different conferences and whatnot, there is a skepticism, but the, I mean, I've seen it time and time again. I tell people, I say, you know, one drop of this herb is incredibly potent. And um, sometimes they don't believe me and they go off and they'll take whatever they feel like they want to take. And then I get a, a message back saying, hey, I took this much and I feel a lot worse. You know, and it's because this, you know, herbs can be really potent. They have to be done the right way. 
Um, there are herbs that are not as potent, but the ones that I like to use, I really love the Byron White formulas, but they are very potent. They're so potent to the point that oftentimes I don't even give them orally. I'll give them topically. I'll say rub one drop into your hands. So we're getting about the absorption of about 25 to 50% of that drop because it's so potent. Yeah, I've used their um, fungal formula and it says straight on the bottle use one drop per day or something like that and I ended up uh, thinking it was a different dropper and I took a full dropper and I felt terrible for like a week (laughs) it was not good totally yeah I think it actually says on there like one drop a week unless otherwise directed (laughs) yeah yeah Yeah. so don't do what I did (laughs) well it's a good it's a good lesson because they are so potent Right. And it does show you the power of herbs, even though people, there are a lot of skeptics out there. Even a lot of the the pharmaceutical agents that are out there come from uh, constituents found from herbs. And that's where they originally were found from. So Absolutely. Okay. So step one, test. Step two is detox. What is step three? So step three is replace. And so this is, you know, in order to get people, and I can usually do this at the first visit, but in order to get people strong, feeling better right away, allowing everything to work better, it's, it's starting to replace deficiencies. And so that's deficiencies in hormones. So we're talking about adrenals, thyroid, sex hormones, uh, deficiencies in thyroid, it's deficiencies in water. So increasing the amount of water that people are consuming. Um, so those are kind of the, uh, it's deficiencies in sleep. So resetting the sleep cycle. And so oftentimes I can, you know, the difference between the first appointment and the second appointment where I'm, I'm, I'm doing a lot of those, a lot of that replacing while we're waiting for the, for the labs to come back and detoxification to happen is that that can really boost people, you know, already a couple points on the energy scale. You said there was four steps, right? Correct. Okay. So what is a final step? So the final step is removing the crap. And so that's removing heavy metals, chemicals, molds, infections, allergies or food toxicities, which we can talk about in a little bit, um, negative emotions and emotional trauma, electromagnetic frequencies, hidden dental infections, parasites. So there's a number of things that are part of those, the excesses or the toxins, toxicities that need to be removed out of the body. So if we go through all these different steps, um, obviously every single person is different, so it can take quite some time to work through each step, but on average, how long does it take to uh, get through all four steps? So depending on the number of causes that somebody has, it can take anywhere between a year and three years. But, you know, my goal is always to get people better as fast as possible and as safely as possible. So I really like to use strong things. But generally, you know, as, as I keep getting better as a practitioner, that, that window keeps shrinking so that it really is getting closer to um, down to a year. And I have people see me every four to six weeks for the first year. And then after that, they can continue with me if they want, if they need, every, every three months or, every, uh, or twice a year or once a year, depending on um, what kind of support they need. 
Awesome. And you had mentioned allergies and food toxicities. Can you talk a little bit more about both of those? Absolutely. So I consider a lot of food allergies to be food toxicities because they're causing an immune system or an inflammatory reaction in the body. And so with food, it's more about what you're eating that you're not supposed to be eating and less about what you are supposed to be eating. So, you know, I tell people that, you know, the best diet for most people is meat and vegetables and a little bit of fruit. So instead of thinking about all the things you have to take away, meat, vegetables, and a little bit of fruit. And half of your plate should be vegetables, and then a quarter should be um, the meat, whatever kind of meat you want, except for fish, since 100,000 pounds of mercury are dumped into our oceans every year, and all, all of our fish and all of our seafood is contaminated, so I don't recommend fish anymore, except for sardines. Not a lot of people like, and anchovies, because they're small, but not a lot of people like those. Um, but meat, and then in that quarter, and then um, the final quarter can be, you know, some more vegetables in the form of maybe a, um, a small waxy potato, or it could be some fruit. But that is ideal for most people. And the reason why is because grains will cause your, will get broken down into sugars and will cause inflammation. Gluten, which is the protein that's found in wheat, will cause damage to the intestines. And just one bite of wheat bread or just regular bread that has wheat in it will cause your immune system to react for up to six months. And that can trigger autoimmunity and body pain and, and all of these things. So, you know, getting rid of grains is really the best thing that you can do. And just really trying to focus on eating meat, eating vegetables, and a little bit of fruit. And then are there specific food uh, intolerances that you're also looking at? Like you mentioned some of the big hitters there, but do you also look at eggs and dairy and uh, other food items like that? Absolutely. So depending on how sensitive somebody is or how much they're reacting to foods, once you start with, you know, I'm, I'm big on baby steps. You know, people who are listening to this might get overwhelmed and it's like, you know what, the first thing that, you know, if you're feeling overwhelmed by this, just go gluten-free. Just change everything that you have that's gluten and wheat into a gluten-free product. So go to gluten-free pasta, go to gluten-free bread, you know, and see how you feel. Because once you start removing that crap off of the body, you start to notice big differences when you eat foods that, that your body doesn't like. So then you'll have an egg, and then you'll be in body pain for two days after, and you'll be like, oh, you know, that was from that egg, which you couldn't notice before because you were also consuming gluten. But yes, I'm looking at gluten and dairy and soy and corn and caffeine and chocolate and alcohol and sugar. And there's a couple eggs, probably one more that I'm missing. But those are the general ones that I'm, I'm looking at to assess for, because those are the ones that are most likely to cause inflammation in the body. But it's got to be, as you know, it's got to be baby steps. You've got to start making these small incremental changes um, in order to get people to where they need to go, because it's not easy. You know, we all have emotional attachment to food, and they're going to say, you know, this doctor is bogus because my mom's lasagna is the best thing ever and there's no way I'm giving that up and it's like it's you know it's different than it was your mom's lasagna or your grandma's lasagna 
you know, the, the way that gluten has been hybridized, the way that these foods have been processed, they're incredibly different. They're no longer the foods of our grandparents, and consequently, they're a lot more toxic. Yeah, and we just released a, a couple of weeks ago a podcast episode about the whole food process and different pesticides that are used within the foods and how a lot of the research is coming out now that um, even though previously they said that glyphosate wasn't in the food anymore once it got to your uh, table, it's showing that, oh, actually, it still is in the food. And so we have those issues as well. Absolutely. And glyphosate toxicity is becoming a huge problem and very quickly becoming a major cause of type 2 diabetes. So they were getting all these skinny people with type 2 diabetes. And a lot of it is because they've been eating non-organic food that has these pesticides and the Roundup on them or they're spraying outside their homes or whatever. And it's causing toxicity to the pancreas and messing with their ability to regulate their sugars. So with that, what are some strategies that uh, people can use to reduce environmental impact like the Roundup or to um, even reduce stress in their life and improve their daily lives to help with chronic fatigue? So, yep, some, some quick tips that you guys can get started on right away are, you know, looking at the load that you have um, in your life in terms, of, in terms of the toxicities, you know, trying to be as organic as possible. The, for as many foods as possible. The Environmental Working Group comes out with this list every year, the Dirty Dozen and the Clean 15. And the Dirty Dozen are those foods that have a lot of pesticides on them that you really want to buy organic. The Clean 15 are those that, you know, if you can't afford to get 100% organic, those you don't necessarily have to buy organic because they're relatively quote-unquote clean and they don't have a lot of pesticides on them. So there are ways for you to decrease the toxicity that are coming, that's coming into your life and into the lives of your family and your children. It's looking at the, the products that, are, um, that you're using to clean, you know, bleaches and fragrances. You know, it's looking at your, um, your colognes. You know, anything that has a fragrance can be toxic, can increase the burden on your liver, on your body, cause your immune system to start reacting. The Environmental Working Group also has a great site called Skin Deep. That's S-K-I-N-D as in dog, E-E-P. Um, and it's ewg.org backslash skin deep. And you can go on there and you can search for um, the products that you have, the cosmetic products that you have, and it'll tell you how toxic it is. And so then you can choose a better brand um, that will be healthier. So, you know, removing those out of your life, you know, making sure that you've got a good air filter, you know, in your home. The best air filter that I have found is iqair.com. That's I as in I, Q as in quotient, air.com. It is the absolute best for getting mold and mycotoxins. So if you're worried at all about mold in your home, if you see mold, you know, mold is such a huge problem for so many of my clients. It has to get remediated. But putting, getting an IQ air filter, putting it on level three to six, um, it goes from one to six, and getting it on the higher levels will really clean up your environment, and you'll notice a huge difference in the amount that you're breathing. So clean air, clean food, clean water, you know, getting a water filter, the one that I recommend is called Aquasana, that's A-Q-U-A-S-A-N-A.com, and you can either get just one that's 
over the sink or you can get a whole house water filter like I like I do at my home. And, you know, I've had friends who will stay over with us and they say, you know, the difference here, they're like, I don't know what it is, but I take a shower or a bath here and I just love it. It's just so good. And then they realize that it's because it doesn't have chlorine in it, you know, so, you know, removing those toxicities then out of your water supply. Um, so those are all kind of, uh, that's, that's a lot, but that's, you know, a way that you can start removing. You're just getting more conscious about it. Don't get overwhelmed by this information. Just say, okay, every month I'm going to make a plan. I'm going to write it down on my calendar. I'm going to, you know, evaluate one thing. I'm just going to evaluate my cosmetics this month. I'm going to evaluate my air this month, you know, that sort of thing. So it can just help you. And this is all in my book, you know, to kind of help you um, go through this process of cleaning up your life as much as possible. And then in terms of managing your stress, you know, it, it really is about simplification, not being beholden to your life and reacting to your life, but, but being in charge. And from the moment that you wake up, making sure that you are in charge of your life and thinking about, okay, how do I simplify my life? You know, is there a way that you can start simplifying it without making things so crazy? Because it used to be simple, you know, a hundred years ago, and we just kind of made things so complex with all of the different things that our kids are doing and, you know, with all these emails and Facebook and all this stuff, you know, coming at us. It's crazy. I heard a stat the other day at a conference that was talking about how people are 60% less effective in their week if they wake up in the morning and they look at their email or they look at Facebook. Hmm. And the reason why is because all of a sudden you're looking at somebody else's to-do. Somebody has sent you an email with something that you need to do. Instead of waking up in the morning, remembering that you are amazing, you know, doing whatever practices you need to do. I do breath work and then I do gratitude practice and visualizing and then meditation. And sometimes it's only five minutes. But that practice and then remembering what my mission is in life and, and how I want to show up today to support the people that I love you know, that helps me get into a, a great peak state that allows me to achieve all of my goals for that day um, instead of being beholden to somebody else's task list. So those are, those are just some ideas on how to decrease stress and remove toxicities from your life. Yeah, those are all really good tips. So thanks for sharing that. And I'm sure a lot, if not all of those, are probably in your book, correct? Correct. Yeah, so people can get the book at fixyourfatigue.org, which we'll have links to in the show notes. So we haven't really talked about hormones a whole lot, but I'm sure going through the four steps, that kind of helps the body to re-regulate hormones. But can you talk a little bit about how hormones can affect overall fatigue levels? Absolutely. So the thyroid, which sits on the, uh, on the trachea, on your windpipe, and the adrenals, which sit on top of the kidneys... And then the ovaries in women or testicles in men, you know, sitting in the pelvis. There's this beautiful dance that exists between the three of those that, you know, everybody has to be present and accounted for in order to be able to support the other. And so, and they're so, so important for regulating your metabolism, you know, how much, um, how much you're processing your food, you know, your weight, if you've got any sort of weight gain, um, you know, how you're processing the amount of energy that's being made by the mitochondria, which is the energy center of every cell in the body. So just so important. And oftentimes, you know, the fastest way to get there 
is by supporting those hormones and helping people get better um, in that way. And that's really just a, such a great first step, you know, and if I was to say if somebody wanted to uh, take action today and they would say, what's the number one supplement that you would recommend? And I would say for people who have fatigue, it would be to take some adrenal support. And the product that I recommend is Adrenal PX, P as in Paul, X as in X-ray. And it's uh, by Restorative Formulation. And it's, it's a wonderful product that has really transformed the lives of so many of my clients. And it just allows, it just boosts the adrenals, which ends up boosting the thyroid as well as the sex hormones. Um, helps to recreate your circadian rhythm so that you're more awake during the day and that you're easy, it's easier for you to sleep at night. Perfect. That goes right into my next question, which was uh, to find out what your favorite foods and herbs were, were to help with chronic fatigue. So stuff for adrenal support, can you give us any specific herbs that you like to use? Yeah. So the main herb in that complex is Eleuthero root, E-L-E-U-T-H-E-R-O. Um, and but it's especially potent in that formula with adrenal px and it's the smoothest strongest form that i have found i've and i've been through you know hundreds of different adrenal products um, but this one that i found is the one that has the least amount of side effects and that is the strongest so luthor root is definitely great um, other herbs that i'm a fan of you know i talked a lot about these different herbal complexes but there's milk thistle and there's thuja and there's it really depends on what you're trying to um, get at or which cause you're working on or whether you're working on detoxification but eleuthero is really great for uh, the adrenals ashwagandha is a great herb that's um, for the thyroid um, and there's others there's other adaptogenic herbs which are really great for regulating the brain's relationship to these glands, to these hormones. And so those are, oftentimes there's other ones, um, including licorice root and I'm blanking on some of the other ones. You just have to be very careful with licorice root because it can cause high blood pressures, which is why I don't use it that much anymore. But um, getting an adaptogenic herb complex can be very supportive for all of the hormones and the glands. Awesome. Well, I have one final question for you. and. If you have a morning routine of some sort that helps you to stay fatigue-free, what is it? Yeah, so um, I'm a big fan of Tony Robbins. I've learned a lot from him, and it kind of helped get get me out of my um, my negative psychology. You know, and he talks about how you know 80% of everything that we do in life is psychology, and 20% is mechanics. And if you want to live an extraordinary life, you have to have an extraordinary psychology. And in order to be able to do that, you have to get yourself into state. You have to get yourself into a peak state where that's where your decisions come from, where everything is possible. And so a lot of that has to do with moving your body. Our, our emotions really come from motion. And so we have to move our bodies. And so um, and we have to really see how we want our future to be. So I start off in the morning and I start off with some breath work which is kind of like bringing breath very quickly in and out of my nose um, and mouth. And then I move on to having a gratitude practice. You know, the research shows that just three things every day, if you're grateful for three things, um, it makes a huge difference in how you feel about your life. And then I go into visualizing. So I visualize and I visualize 
as if these things have already happened. So I give gratitude for this project being completed, you know, this business deal being completed or, you know, this um, achieving this thing or whatever is, is on my mind, you know, for the next couple of months or the next year or the next five years, you know, living on a beach, you know, or something like that, you know, whatever you want to visualize. And then from there, it's getting up and it's doing jumping jacks and burpees and stuff like that. And I don't do them for very long and I'm still kind of stretching out because I'm kind of sore and whatnot. But that's, you know, starting every day with some sort of practice that reminds you about, you know, what's most important in your life as well as what you really want to achieve in your life, um, I think makes a world of difference. Awesome. Do you have any final words that you want to say about chronic fatigue before we wrap up here? So I would say, you know, I have a free Facebook group where I do a Facebook live just about every week in there. Um, It's Fix Your Fatigue with Dr. Evan. You can also get there from my website at fixyourfatigue.org. And it is free um, as well as a download like Brian talked about. You can get a free download of my book as a PDF on my website so you can read my whole book right there or if you want to get it on Amazon because it's easier for to read a paperback or a Kindle version you're you're welcome to do that too but you know I'm really on this mission to help a million people resolve their chronic fatigue and so um, I really appreciate you guys listening and remember if you do one thing just go gluten-free and see how it makes you feel Awesome. And we'll have all the links to the free Facebook group and your website in our show notes at summitforwellness.com slash 58. Thank you, Dr. Evan, so much for coming on and chatting with us and telling us all about chronic fatigue and uh, telling us your uh, four-step process on how to beat chronic fatigue. So thank you so much for coming on. You're so welcome, Brian. Thanks so much for having me on. Well, there you have it, folks. A lot of people experience some form of chronic fatigue, and they don't even know that it's starting to creep up on them. Uh, They just think that it's part of their daily grind or what they experience from the daily grind. And as we are learning, there are more and more causes to fatigue than just Uh, working hard and being stressed out. So uh, like Dr. Evan said, mold can be an issue. Bartonella, um, uh, mono or Epstein-Barr can be issues. And there's a lot of other factors that can all play a role in fatigue as well. So if you are experiencing fatigue, then head on over to his website, to get his free ebook to learn about different ways to fix your fatigue. Um, I think it's important for most of us to feel as best we possibly can. And from my own experiences with fatigue from uh, mold, where I could barely even get out of bed, it is not fun to be stuck, not being able to uh, do the things you love and to uh, be stuck feeling absolutely terrible every single day. So uh, do what you need to in order to fix your fatigue. Okay. Keep on climbing to the peak of your health, and we will see you all next week.